Welcome to Living Free Today, a ministry of Cornerstone Fellowship in San Lorenzo, California. These podcasts are the weekly sermons of Dr. Michael L. Wilson. I am looking for a city that has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Would you open your Bibles, please, to Luke 15. In Luke 15, Jesus is speaking with the large crowds that have gathered around him. And there comes up a a difficulty if you will, a challenge of the Pharisees against Jesus. And so Luke 15 is a series of three parables all about finding that which is lost. Now there's a book by John Piper entitled The Pleasures of God. I have this book, but it's in a box somewhere because I'm having office problems. So I'll show you a picture of the book. What John Piper did was he went through the Bible and every time he saw the word please or pleasure or joy or rejoice in relationship to God, he wrote about it. And so there's, I don't know, 18 or so chapters of things in the Bible that God says this pleases him. God says this gives him joy that causes God to rejoice. And One of the things that is a theme throughout Scripture that God is pleased with is the finding of things and people that are lost. God came to find those who were lost. Jesus Christ was sent to find those who are lost. Whenever God acts and sends a prophet in the Old Testament, the purpose of that prophet is to find those who are lost, and bring them back into God. And so the idea that God wants to save those or find those who are lost is the theme of Luke 15. Now the context of this is that Jesus is talking with large crowds, and it says in 15.1, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. Now in ancient Israel, ancient Israel had a caste system. It had a levels of um, theological importance, is one way to put it. If you look back in the Old Testament, the people of Israel uh, fought against God, did not worship Him properly, and God sent the Assyrians to take away the northern kingdom, which they did, and the northern kingdom never returned. And then because of Hezekiah, you had about 150, 130 years longer for the southern kingdom than the Babylonians finally came in and took the southern kingdom away, and that was for 70 years. The book of Ezra and Nehemiah is the return of the people back into the land, and then the book of Malachi was written about three years after that, and it shows that they still weren't getting it, that they still weren't doing what they were supposed to be doing 
and God's judgment were coming upon them. And then between Malachi and Matthew is 400 years we call the intertestamental period. During that time, people looked at the nation of Israel and said, we were taken into captivity, we were under the judgment of God because we did not obey the law. That was clear, that is in Scripture, that was talked about, it is a theme. The people sin, God judges the nation of Israel. And so, a group of people arose, self-appointed, as theological police. They would be normal people that you knew. You would see them in the grocery store, you would see them at school, you would see them at your work. But they were people who were Bible scholars, but not of the priestly class. And they would help you understand what you had to do to please God, and they figured that if they did this individually all across Israel, that people would be better theologically in relationship to God, and the captivity would not be repeated. And that group became known as the Pharisees. They were theological police. And as these people gained more and more power, now if you read through the Old Testament, you see that there are several offices that are presented by God. You have the priests, you have the helpers of the priests, you have the workers in the temple, all those are of the Levite tribe. And that's the only thing that is given. You have rabbis in the Old Testament, the teachers of the law, and that's about it. You will never find the idea of a Pharisee in the Old Testament. But these people arose and became very self-righteous, became very self-important, and none of them were of the tribe of Levite. If you were a tribe of Levite, you worked in the temple. If you were a Bible scholar and of the tribe of Benjamin, for example, you could be a Pharisee like Paul. Paul was of the tribe of Benjamin. If Paul was a Levite, then Paul would have been in a priestly role because of his great knowledge of Scripture. And so these people were very interested in Jesus because Jesus didn't come to them and ask permission. Jesus didn't come to them and ask what to do. Jesus just did what he knew what to do as the Son of God and as such, the Pharisees saw Jesus as an impact to their power and their influence. In Luke 15, 1, it says, tax collectors and sinners were drawing near. Now, as a theological policeman, as a Pharisee, they would grade people on how well they followed the law. Now you had a tax collector, which is somebody who collected taxes for Rome. They were considered a traitor. They were considered against Israel, even though they were Jewish by birth. And so they were kicked out of the synagogue. If you were a tax collector, you were not allowed to participate in Passover. You were not allowed to participate in Rosh Hashanah or Yom Kippur or even a Sabbath celebration. And so they were considered outcasts. They were considered the lowest of the low 
from a theological point of view, when it says sinners, these are prostitutes. These are people who didn't care. These are people who wanted to do their own thing, free thinkers as as we call them today. They were people who did not care about God or religious stuff, either because they were you know, too focused on being homeless or being whatever they were involved. They were the lowest financial part of the country, and so they were also not allowed to be taken into the synagogue. So the Pharisees were not somebody who would take you by the hand and lead you in the path of righteousness. They had gotten such power that they were now just judges of everybody they didn't like. And so they began to divide society and the people that had been rejected by the theological system of Israel called tax collectors and sinners were now coming to Jesus because Jesus was presenting a true, unburdensome version of God, a true version of God that they liked. They liked the fact that God loved and that God sacrificed and that God did these things. And the Pharisees and scribes grumbled and said, this man receives sinners and eats with them. And so there's this divide that had happened in Israel and Jesus was basically widening the divide. He didn't come to save the Pharisees because the Pharisees didn't think they need saving. Now, people like uh, Nicodemus, people like Joseph of Arimathea, Pharisees that came to Jesus, they, they are probably saved. They understood what Jesus was saying. But for the most part, the Pharisaic movement was not something that Jesus came to reform. Jesus came to save the disenfranchised and the people who would listen to him. And so he tells about a lost sheep, he tells about a lost coin, and he tells about a lost son. And these are all God's relationship to humanity. And so the first parable is a parable of the lost sheep. And he says, which one of you that has a hundred sheep and one goes missing that you wouldn't go after him? Now if you... Look at Israel back then. Israel was a very poor society. It was very uh, meager living. If you had a hundred sheep, you would be considered very rich. And so most likely, this is some group uh, like a village of 30 or 40 little huts that was off in the area that they would combine all of their sheep into one group, they would hire a local teenager to go and watch the sheep and to take the sheep to grass and things like that. And so this was a very low-level operation. This was an operation that the rich people, the Romans, for example, would look at and think was not worth anything. But you have a hundred sheep, and one of them goes wandering... And one of the, there would be probably multiple teenagers, if you have a hundred sheep, one of them would go after the sheep, and he would keep looking until he found the sheep, and then he would pick the sheep up and put him on his shoulders, 
and bring him back. Now, the idea of carrying a sheep, I don't know if you've ever lifted a sheep. An adult sheep is well over 100 pounds, and they're not, they don't come with handles. They're not built to carry. They're kind of stocky and lumpy and bumpy, and you've and you got to pick it up and put it on your shoulders. But there's joy in the heart of the shepherd for finding the sheep. And even though it is a burden on the shepherd, see, the shepherd could have gone and said, hey, sheep, good to find you, and then walked home, said, follow me. Or he could have said, here's some treats. I'll give you a little row of treats, you know, the Hansel and Gretel breadcrumbs thing. But no, he picks up the sheep. He doesn't require the sheep to do any work. He picks up the sheep and then walks back, and there's no, nothing in the story that says, he rested or sat down or, or spent the night at a hotel or anything like that. His focus is the sheep. And if he's gone, if he takes several hours to go out and several hours to come back, it is probably nighttime by that time. And what does he do? He calls out to everybody in the town and says, come on out and celebrate for this sheep that was lost has now been found. Now, if you're a Pharisee and you're thinking about this, you're probably thinking, well, that sheep is money. So, of course, you would go and you would collect that sheep. And Jesus has already accused the Pharisees of being lovers of money. And so, it is possible that when they heard it, they are only thinking about the financial implications of this sheep being missing and that the celebration of the town was a celebration of the money. But Jesus ends it with, so I tell you, the moral of the story, that there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. And so Jesus is saying, you Pharisees are the 99 who don't need any repentance. God has no joy over your life. But one person, a tax collector, a prostitute, a beggar type person, one of these people who repent and turn their life over to God, then it says there is more joy in heaven and when you look at joy in heaven, that is a pleasure of God. God is having the joy. You don't have heaven being where the angels are rejoicing and God is grumpy on his throne. No, if heaven is rejoicing, everybody in heaven is rejoicing, including God. God is pleased when a sinner repents and comes to Jesus Christ today. And so... For us to look at this, we know the rest of the story. We know the rest of the Bible. Clearly, this is a story of Jesus Christ. Clearly, Jesus is the good shepherd, and I am the sheep. You are the sheep, and we are wandering out there doing whatever we want, not paying any attention to anybody. And it is Jesus who came and saved us, and he doesn't just say, yeah, the kingdom of God is over there. He picks us up 
and he carries us into the kingdom of God. If you look at several verses, for example, John 3.16, For God so loved the world, he gave his only Son to come and get us. When it says, whoever believes should not have, shall not perish, you've got to put the rest of John together. Jesus came to get us. Throughout the whole Old Testament, God had been sending information brokers called prophets who told them what to do, who said, here's the path, here's the breadcrumbs, here's the truth, go find it, and nobody would. The people rejected God left and right in the Old Testament because in our own strength, we can't pull it off. God can make the way extremely well lit and open and bright and will still say, I want this other thing over there. And it says in John 19.10, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. We are a lost people, you say. So who is lost? Everybody. Everybody who's ever walked on this planet is lost. Everybody who's ever walked on this planet has turned their back on God and said, I'm going to do my own thing. And we're, we're sheep that will wander around and do whatever we want. I'll do my own thing and God doesn't matter. We see that a lot today is that God becomes an option. That if you don't want God, that's fine, they say. The world says. You don't need God. God is only for some who need Him. And those people are more lost than lost could be. And Jesus Christ came to find them and to pick them up and to take them into eternity. Jesus Christ is the good shepherd. And when we look at the sheep today, the people that are the sheep and even ourselves, we say, well, how does somebody get lost? How did that sheep who's with a hundred and they're, they're in some really good land, you know, the shepherd would lead them where there's really good grass and everything the sheep could want is where the shepherd is in this story. And one of them says, oh, there's something shiny over there. Or I hear something, or I smell something, or I see something that I imagine, because the grass is always greener on the other side, that I imagine is better than what God is offering me. And so I go after it. And I turn my back on the shepherd, I turn my back on God, I turn my back on the kingdom, and I go in a direction to find something that is better in my mind. People who have, who have studied the way that information is today, where you have hundreds and hundreds of channels on TV, you have many other websites and apps and things that are going to give you information. They say, on average, a person will hear one million voices a day. They will hear one million of voices, and I would guarantee that maybe, but not always, one or two of those voices 
are telling you to come back to God. Everybody else is telling you to go this way and experience this. And we see that in the lost son parable where he goes and is riotous living. There's riotous living. Now, the sheep probably didn't get into riotous living, but he went after something that was shiny. He went after something that smelled good. He went after something that tasted good. And that can be anything in the world that is not God. And there are more options today to reject God than there have ever been in the history of the world. There are more people who want to set up their ideas and their thoughts and their system and their product as a God replacement. And when you look at how the world is coming together, we could say, well, it's just all political, but a lot of, a lot of the promoters of the political view are presenting it as a religious view. We are being presented that the world is offering a better and different religious experience than God. And they don't say it directly. People used to say that God was a killjoy, that God had no fun. But God, of course, there's joy in heaven. God is not a killjoy. He is the source of joy. But today, God is presented as unnecessary and an invention and a philosophy that you can just use if you need it for your mental health. But Jesus Christ is still giving the offer. Jesus Christ has returned to heaven, and therefore, we give the offer. Therefore, we are the people who seek and present salvation to those who are lost. You are going to come across lost people in the grocery store, at work, at the bank, on TV. You can, you know, if there's real people on TV, like a news show or something, you can pray for them. You can pray for the people on TV. You can pray for the actors that they will come to an understanding of who God is and change their life around and that bring joy to heaven. Even if there's somebody who's rich and famous, who's lost, when they repent and they get saved, there is joy in heaven. It's a party in heaven every time a sinner repents and comes to salvation. And so we are the sheep. I am the sheep. And so we need to make sure that we're not going astray, that we stay on the narrow path, that we stay focused on the things of God, and we do that by staying in the Word. We do that by staying in church. We do that by allowing things into our eyes and our mind that promote God. And Jesus is the good shepherd, and even today he is still coming after people. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, God is changing hearts, God is saving people, and God will seek and save those who are lost until he comes again. And when Jesus Christ comes again, then it's all done. But until then, he will find you, he will put you on his shoulders, and he will carry you into the kingdom of God, let us pray. Lord God Almighty, we praise you for this. 
We praise you that you are a God who seeks and saves those who are lost. I praise you that once I was lost, but now I am found, and many here today once were lost and is now found, and we praise you that you are one who finds us and you saves us. Lord, you are the great shepherd, and we praise you for that, and we ask your blessing on the remainder of the day. We ask this in the blood of Christ. Amen. Cornerstone Fellowship is located at 180 Llewellyn Boulevard, San Lorenzo, California. Our Sunday morning service is at 1045 a.m. Our website is livingfreetoday.org and our phone number is 510-278-2622. May God continue to bless you as you serve your King. God bless.